Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Dial center of the day, center of the country here on University of KMOX. Scott Mosby cruising down the Mississippi at the helm or operating the switchboard, however you want to look at it. How much high tech can you handle? We're talking about your home. This is the uh, home improvement show, so uh, keep in mind we've got lots of that uh, going here on CAMOX. Phone lines for you, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. So following this hour show, we go into 1 o'clock, your retirement professionals at 1 o'clock here on CAMOX following the home improvement show. Your retirement professionals, two o'clock business of family business, one of my favorites. Uh, right now, we have you. You're on, you're up, you're next. Your phone number is 314 436 7900. Give me a call, see what's happening. Off the air during the break, I finished up with Kim. Kim had a question about portable on demand water heaters or instant water heaters or tankless water heaters, as you might call them. Uh, whether you know it or not, you have seen these things. They're everywhere. So if you go into a small washroom, uh, maybe in doctor's office, medical place, uh, or in a fast food restaurant, something like that, uh, you'll go in and you walk into the typically a, a, a white porcelain sink and hot and cold water. And down below that sink on the wall, um, you know, about the size of a soap dispenser, normal soap dispensers you would have for, you know, at a lavatory for washing your hands. Down, It'll be plugged into an outlet, little pipe going over, and it's a very small device, and it is an on-demand water heater. It's kind of like those, uh, you know, uh, hot water dispensers in a kitchen. They're not very big. Uh, they don't handle a large quantity of water in those applications. But all it is is it's electric that heats that water for a very small amount. It takes a very small amount of hot water to warm up the water to wash our hands, you know, in, in a small restroom like that. Well, larger size, so having that same technology or portable on-demand, meaning a point of use, uh, have the hot water heater right where you use it so you don't have that 30 feet or 30 seconds of waiting for the hot water. You have plenty of hot water in the hot water heater, whichever kind you have. Well, that water then has to trek all the way down from that end of the house or wherever it is to that bathroom, that point of use, that shower, whatever. And that's where you wait and wait and wait. Well, the concept of those water heaters, uh, what's called point of use, is to have that right there where you use it. So if you're uh, heating the water for a shower, then you would put that water heater as close to that shower as possible. If you're heating the water for the kitchen, for doing your kitchen things at the kitchen sink, you put it right underneath the kitchen. Or you wind up having two water heaters or three water heaters three around the various places at the point of use. Now, kind of like um, um, uh, flushless uh, urinals or flushless uh, toilet fixtures in now the water conserving uh, world. Uh, the building code hasn't quite caught up with that because a point of use water heater is still a water heater. And a water heater with a tank or without a tank or electric, gas, whatever kind of water, if it's a water heater, building code on a uh, um, home requires a floor drain for the mishaps that go with water heaters. You know, they drip, they pressure, they overpressurize, all those. And it's really modeled around tanked, traditional, regular water heaters. But as you get into the portable on-demand or, or instant hot uh, water heaters, they still require, building code-wise, 
they still require a floor drain. Uh, so uh, this is where regulations sometimes don't fully catch up, but uh, regulations are also interesting because now, you know, being a male, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable in use urinals all the time. Well, we have now waterless or flushless urinals because, you know, you don't – how much flushing do you need to, to scour or, or drain liquid? Well, not much. But the building code still requires a water supply being piped to that tankless or, fr- or, or water-free flush water or uh, urinal. So, you know, as a man, you walk in, you've got in one of these flushless urinals, pretty cool, kind of nice looking. Uh, they work, and then you look up, and here's a pipe looking at, you know, sticking right out of the wall where that flushometer would be. So anyway, the point being that on a water heater, if you do a tankless water heater, the ticket is put it where the point of use, where you're using the hot water. That may not be where you have a floor drain because it, you know, the, again, uh, technology is designed or the house is designed around the technology of the day, 50-year-old house. You're going to have probably a floor drain right next to the furnace because the air conditioner needs a condensate drain, so it needs a floor drain. Your water heater also has temperature and pressure. If pressure builds up too much hot water, that uh, little drip, that pressure release, that little pipe coming down the side, you know, it drips a little bit floor drain for that water heater. Now you go to move that water. I want to move it 30 feet closer to the master shower, right where the two bathrooms are, you know, the hall bath upstairs and the master bath. Perfect place for the uh, tankless water heater on demand. Now you need a floor drain. Now you can build that uh, water heater up. You can build a drain underneath it and pump it with a sump. Kind of funky though. It's like having a condensate pump for those of you that are familiar with it you have a little bitty white plastic it's usually a square box has a little small uh, condensate pump and it's for the drip of an air conditioner and if you want to pump it somewhere else you want the air conditioner to be wherever you put it in the house you now have to pump that condensate over to the floor drain well so you can kind of um uh, work around moving the floor drain. But the problem with uh, Kim's question at the end of our number one, she's on a slab on grade or a solid concrete floor. She doesn't have a basement down below this thing. So anything to put in a floor drain means breaking up concrete. So that's the inconvenient part. Uh, I'll get into the choice between gas and electric, something like that. Um, and let's just get into to there. Uh, let's see what's happening with my friend Barbara here on line one. Barbara, good afternoon. Welcome to KMWX. How can I help? Well, thank you. A couple of weeks ago, you had somebody on there regarding putting vinegar in the toilet bowl. You know, flush the toilet, turn off the water, and fill it up with vinegar. But I missed the part about how long to leave the vinegar in there. Uh, longer is better. Uh, it's practical. So uh, this is something that I do around my house. Um, you know, every now and again, you know, about a year, it's like, well, it's been a while, so I've got time. Or maybe I'm leaving for a day or I'm going to be gone all afternoon. I'll turn the water off to the toilet, flush the toilet. It doesn't refill. I'll take a gallon of of vinegar. Or maybe we use the vinegar for something else because it doesn't have to be clean or any of that stuff. I just dump the stuff down in the toilet bowl, slosh it around. Uh, If you leave it for 10 minutes, it's good. If you leave it for an hour, it's better. If you leave it for six hours, it's even better than that. But you do have to slosh it around. And I use the toilet bowl brush. Mm -hmm. I pull that thing out and I just slop it around and and typically I just leave the toilet bowl brush in a in a bucket right next to it and slop it around get it up underneath the rim there uh, mm-hmm. that's important uh, as well Barbara because that's also where mineral buildup this is just um, acid that eats up lime 
Yeah, just the distilled white vinegar, that's sufficient. Yep, cheap stuff, grocery store, two, three, you know, the best, it, you don't need good-tasting vinegar for this. I'm thinking overnight that would work then. Absolutely. Well, I didn't want to leave it in there too long and maybe damage the porcelain. I didn't know what it would do, so I thought I'd better call and find out what was going on. Yeah, the vinegar will not damage the porcelain at all okay. as long as you haven't broken the glaze. So if you've gotten in there with a pumice stone or sandpaper or any of that trying to get this stuff off. And likewise, it makes the toilet flush uh, it will remove um, ugly stains from hard water around the toilet ring. That's another thing. Uh, but likewise, uh, it doesn't hurt porcelain. It it, uh, it just eats up the lime deposits that come from our water. Well, I thank you very much for your help. All right, Barbara. Good question. Thanks for the follow-up. All right. Bye now. Uh, home Improvement, Scott Mosby. We've got one full hour coming up here on University of Camwax, and I have phone lines open for you. No, you... you yeah, you. Yeah, I'm looking at you. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. I know you've all got that question. I'm going to ask that guy on Camwax. He seems to know some stuff. Bad answer is better than no answer. We'll call Scott. 314-436-7900. And you know what? Occasionally, the stuff I tell you right here on Camwax, some of the stuff is actually true. Oh, did I say that out loud? Oh, never mind. Anyway, give me a call, 314-436-7900. We'll take a short pause and come back for more here on KMOX. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, I've seen a lot of changes here on all these times at KMOX. Interestingly, now I'm sitting with these little... Uh, earbud things, uh, wired as it is, because in the studio, most everything here is wired except for our phones. So interest, or at least our, our cell phones. So interestingly enough, I've gone from big over, you know, massive headphones or cans as we used to call them. And they're always, you know, the foam wears out. Now we're doing uh, these small earbud-like things, interesting as it is. So uh, all this technology changes. Likewise, for many years, I was still using 8-track cartridges for running our uh, ad spots or airtime spots on KMOX. Not at this location, but interesting how watching the technology change over the years and uh, uh, also uh, watching a, a an 18-year-old TV, and there's nothing wrong with it. TV's doing fine. Taking a lot of grief on an 18-year-old TV. It's like, man, can't you get a current one? Like, well... This one's working fine. So anyway, I'm sitting here with these little tiny things in my ears and uh, wondering just how different that is. Uh, Anyway, 314-436-7900 puts us together here on University of Camwex. Let's go back and talk to my uh, friend Mildred. Hey, Mildred, Scott Mosby here. Good afternoon. How can I help? Good afternoon to you, and thanks for your service that you give. I truly appreciate it. I I just... uh, got on, and I missed the comment that you were saying to the... um, lady that just went off pertaining to calcium and other deposits, and you were talking about vinegar. Toilet, the last portion that I got. But I was just wondering, in, our, in the St. Louis area, the minerals that come through not only the toilet but uh, through the uh, foxes, whether they knew or old, uh, no. uh, the calcium and, and lime buildup, how can an uh, individual uh, uh, help to prevent uh, or, 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 or just ward against it when it comes to putting it in other 
uh, say like uh, dehumidifiers or other appliances that that is needful in. Yes, ma'am. That that is the purpose of a water softener. Our water is not quite hard enough for water softeners, but water softeners uh, and the salt back flush. Uh, we've got different types of water softeners that work for a, a little while. But that's really the single purpose of a water softener is to um, the, the salt back flushes a membrane or medium that gathers all this lime. So the, the water goes through the water softener, the hard water, the lime deposits, the calcium, all that stuff sticks. It builds up. And then every two or three days or whatever the period is, according to how hard your water is, then that uh, salt brine, that, all that salt stuff you put in the tub, that is used. Water goes in and it back flushes just like a swimming pool fi- filter. It pulls back and takes away all that calcium buildup. But one of the byproducts is you've got all this saline water, high salt content that goes along with that. And that's kind of a nasty thing for the environment. Now we've got... Um, uh, more higher tech and more costly water filtration and softening systems that work with mediums. They still need to be back flushed, uh, but they don't necessarily need salt for that. They work, but they don't work for two weeks. So if you have a regular uh, salt water softener, then the water that's in your pipe, say you leave for two weeks and the water just sits there in your pipes, uh, the, the minerals have actually been removed from the water. So two weeks later, you still have soft water. You come home, turn the water back on, your soft water's there. With some of the higher-tech things, those uh, use a a charge. They change the um, chemical uh, properties of those nodules or uh, amounts so that if you leave that water in there two weeks, they revert back to calcium and lime. So everything has its benefits and features, um, but the purpose of a water softener of any kind is exactly to answer your question. Well, then, um, uh, too, okay, it, as long as you are, are, are running the water or, uh, you know, are using the uh, facility, uh, that lime and that buildup does not come in. Or uh, does. Yeah, if you go through the water softener, that's correct. Well, what if you don't have a water softener? That's, that's it always what I'm comes about. In. I'm talking about regular use. Yeah, no, it comes all the time. Now, oh, uh, okay. And, and there's a consequence for that. So if I'm a heart patient uh, and I, I'm on a slow-salt diet or medical reasons for that, um, I can't really drink that water because I'm drinking, you know, very low um, quantities, but I'm drinking salt water. So if I'm on a salt-free diet, I can't have a salt softener in my house. So, in other words, even if you run in your water yep. before you use it, you yep. run, you know, running the overnight, say overnight uh, in your faucets, yep. will that eliminate or no? Because nope. it's the nope. pipes. Nope. It all comes, I mean, it's all coming from, uh, um, you know, uh, Missouri American Water or the city water, whoever your water provider it is. That mm-hmm. mineral, all those calcium, and, and frankly, your body is healthier with those minerals. So say you use a Brita or a water filter or a calcium filter, all those cool things, those also remove minerals from the water. So you don't have buildups of that stuff on your toilets and your faucets, all of that. Likewise, you now have to take minerals as a human being to put the stuff that we normally get out of drinking out of a stream or, a you know, where we used to drink a thousand years ago. So uh, uh, 
everything isn't always better. Everything has a consequence. So improving the technologies, you know, and, and my wife and I use reverse osmosis water all the time. We have to take minerals to keep our muscles from cramping up. Thank you so very much. You answered the question uh, uh, that was in my uh, mind and spirit as far as uh, because I, I kept on seeing uh, in an old fossil which I had changed yeah. uh, uh, the mineral uh, uh, build up in it in, in the kitchen faucet. So, yep, yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you, you so much. Thanks, Mildred, for being part of the family. All right. Take care. Bye now. And Mildred's one of our uh, regular callers. Always a good question. Always well thought out. So, uh, again, I just, you know, uh, it's kind of like nice to uh, hang out with the family. Uh, Let me see. Let's talk with who's been waiting the longest. All right. We'll talk with Tim. Hey, Tim, Scott Mosby here. Good Saturday to you, brother. How can I help you? Good afternoon, Scott. Um, About two years ago, I had my driveway report uh, where it goes alongside my house. So now I've got concrete up against a um, poured concrete foundation. Our house is about 90 years old. Okay. And mostly there's a gap between the, the concrete and the house, about oh, a quarter inch to three-quarter inch. And I told uh, my concrete guy, I said, you know, we got leaks here, and I, I want a good seal between the new concrete and the house. So he goes and puts in this gray caulk, yes. and, and it looked like it looked like a good job. But after about 12 to 18 months, I started noticing cracks running lengthwise uh, through maybe half of it. Mm-hmm. And so my question is, a good caulk job, should it last, shouldn't that last for years without cracking or pulling away? Oh, man. That, you, you have asked a loaded question. Um, I'm, I'm going to really scat this up. Uh, your caulk job should last uh, typically on that, you know, four to ten years and the caulk typically will however and this is the but concrete gets smaller so thousands of gallons of water went into that brand new concrete and that concrete that used to be tight against the wall is now an eighth of an inch away from the wall next year it's a quarter of an inch away from the wall we have it with new uh, uh, countertops when we would put in formica countertops on a composite base of some sort, the wood underneath that laminate would get smaller. So we'd have the perfect caulk job in a beautiful kitchen. Two years later, caulk's pulled away from the wall, and the new homeowner's saying, you know, I bought premium service. What's with this? So uh, it it is what it is. That concrete moved. You got a good caulk job, and it failed because in the first two years, your concrete moves, you know, most of what it's going to. Um, so it's your concrete moving that failed the caulk. Not vice versa. Not vice versa, yeah. yeah. And, and, and frankly, one other quick question. Scott. I would have lobbied. I would have lobbied, Tim. I would have said, please leave it alone. Let me do this in a year. Which is, you know, kind of counter to a consumer. It's like, well, I don't want to see you in a year. It's like, well, I know. But whether you yeah. do it or I do it, you know, the, and that's that conversation of uh, what really happens. So. Okay, so one other quick question. Before he put the caulk in, should he have put some kind of filler, like a felt or something, down in the crack before he caulked over it? Uh, Yes, but that's only on big cracks. When you get a a joint that's an eighth of an inch, three-sixteenths, even up to to a quarter of an inch, 
uh, the volume of the caulk will hold itself up. All you need is for the caulk to stay up there at the surface. So all that filler is, whether old years it used to be newspaper, uh, please don't use sand, but people have used sand in the past. The purpose of that is to hold the roof material, which is your caulk, up up the terp, top surface so the water doesn't come in. So that's all that uh, caulking rope or backer rod is for. All it does is hold the caulk up until it cures. Okay, so you're saying roughly four to eight years. And and is caulk the best the best solution for sealing between a driveway and a house foundation? Yeah. Yes, yes. Now, all caulks are not equal. <laughs> but, however, it's got this up yet again. Um, so you get... Um, Latex caulk, very inexpensive, paintable, good caulk. Uh, it, it, the latex caulk typically has a short life, not very long, but it is paintable. Uh, you get into then, yeah. you get into other types of caulk, uh, maybe a silicone. A silicone is not a good choice for concrete uh, because it, it, it's great for glass and steel and metal. So caulking gutters and things is great for silicone. So now you're paying more for that. Now, and here's how I came upon this. You know, what do the glazers use when they're up 100 stories tall and they're caulking in glass? What are they using? Well, they're, they're using a urethane, a one or two part urethane. And that's what you typically see at a municipal swimming pool where that gray caulk in probably what your concrete guy did. But a urethane now, a one part urethane, you can buy it at the hardware stores and home centers. They're going to be ten, twelve dollars a tube. And then when you're using that much caulk, instead of a 10-ounce regular small caulking gun tube, you know, they're selling you 30-ounce, you know, huge caulking tubes because, you know, it takes a lot of stuff. And then you get the commercial caulkers, the guys that are doing 80-story buildings, you know, they're doing a vat with hoses and they're doing a continuous on-demand, sure. you know, delivery system because they're using, you know, 400 gallons of the stuff in a, you know, four-hour shift. All right. Well... You've certainly answered my question, and uh, like you do so many Saturdays that I listen in, we really appreciate your show, Scott. Well, thanks, Tim. Glad to help. Um, you know, my my dad taught me most of what I know, and the other I messed up on my own to come to my own experience. So uh, in a lot of ways, <laughs> this is uh, me honoring my father. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks, Tim. Bye okay. now. Okay. Bye. And, and there you go. So it's interesting uh, getting into the caulk, the concrete behaviors, vinegar, how long is long enough. Um, and, and Mildred's questions, you know, for um, water softeners. So, you know, 15, 20 years ago, all we had was a salt back flush water softener. Well, I mean, think about the environment. You know, trees don't like salt. Plants don't like salt. Uh, concrete doesn't really like salt either. So if you're dumping all this backwash stuff on the on the driveway, I mean, and, and you know, Missouri Department of Transportation, IDOT, Illinois Department, those guys are using salt and things like that to keep the ice from forming on the roads in the middle of the winter. But salt has consequences. So that's why you're seeing these other softeners come out because, I mean, how do you get rid of salt? You know, it's valuable stuff. We need it to stay alive. But, you know, like like many of my friends say, everything in moderation. You know, if you don't get too much, you know, you can have that cocktail at night. Just don't have too many. There you go. Well, salt, water softeners, back flush, what do you get for the water? Likewise, so let's pretend you have a salt water softener, a salt unit. When you back flush it, if you're putting that into your sanitary sewer, that goes down the drain. Now, Metropolitan Sewer District times, what, half a million people or 
200,000 water softeners. They're trying to get rid of this salt in this, and then they're dumping it back in the Mississippi. So even though they treat our water, we're putting an undue load on that, number one. And number two, if you have old pipes that are cast iron, that are waste pipes, you know, drain the sewer pipes, those things in your basement, boy, howdy. Salt will really rot those things out fast because it is a, it's an aggressive chemical. So anyway, a lot of things about uh, water softeners. So much as you're getting into water conservation now, we're seeing the same movement uh, right here on Earth Day, um, ironically advocating for that. Keep in mind that, you know, too much of anything is just not too good. So we put, start putting salt in our waters. It's great for the pipes. Everything works out. We flush it down to MSD. We rot out our pipes underneath the floor in our houses, yada, 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 and we go. Let's just pay a few bucks more for the newer technology water softeners that uh, work maybe not quite as well, but good enough. Anyway, let's take a short pause for now. I'll get off my stump and quit scotting this up, as we call it, around the uh, Mosby Building Arts office. Now, 314-436-7900 puts us together right here on University of Camwex. I really enjoy spending my time with you on Saturdays. Uh, as always, hanging out with the family is always nice. I'll be right back after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, welcome back. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. Stay tuned here, 1 o'clock. Your retirement professionals following this show after the news, weather, and sports. Then at that, at 2 o'clock, business of family business, one of my favorites. So uh, anyway, let's get back to the phone lines here, see what's happening with my buddy Joanne. Hey, Joanne, good afternoon. Welcome, Kim. Welcome. Hi, Scott. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Fantastic. Great, great. A little windy out there today and a little chilly, <laughs> but other than that, it's a great day. Amen. I've got a question. We have a uh, ranch-style home with a basement. Mm-hmm. The basement is uh, partially finished, and then there's a bathroom down there. There has been a steady uh, change in the bathroom floor mm. where it seems to be sinking. Okay. And we've had the main sewer line scoped, videos, and all that. And there are There is not a break in the main sewer line. That okay. was our first thought. We don't know where to go now. We don't know where to I just seems like it appears to us it feels like there's a void underneath the floor, but we don't know how to find that out. Uh where is it sinking? How how what in what the, are you seeing that shows you that? Uh there's a difference in the the uh the floor moldings. The floor the molding on the wall against the wall no yeah. longer hits the floor. Okay. And when you go to the outside wall of the bathroom, which is not the outside of the house, but the outside wall of the bathroom next to the toilet, uh-huh. and walk all the way through to the family room and take a measurement, there's a five-inch difference in levelness. Well, now, wait a minute. Uh, you can have a two-inch drop, two-and-a-half, even three-inch drop in basement floors just as the concrete finishers slope the floor toward the floor drain. So that's excessive, but a five-inch drop is a bunch. Now, here's how you can find out. What what kind of floors do you have uh, materials in your basement finish part? Right now, we have the uh, carpet tile over concrete. Okay. You may be able to get a little bit of that, but a wood um, broom handle, uh, a shaft of wood, uh, even a stick, you know, uh, if you hold that straight up and down, you know, like you're holding a torch and you just drop it from about 12 inch above, that wood um, dowel rod or broom handle 
will thump even on the carpet, especially in your carpet squares. They're usually pretty low cut, even though they've got rubber on them. You'll get a sound. It's going to be hard because of the rubber back on that uh, carpet material. But okay, uh, well, I misled you there because the bathroom itself has a tile floor. Yeah, but the family room has. A, okay. Yeah, but but anywhere anywhere on that concrete, uh, the carpet less descriptive uh, or less accurate or usable for what I'm saying. But if you go around the various parts of your. Um, a basement floor, just like dropping the end of a pen straight down on the end of the pen. You just drop that, and you just grab it, you'll hear bump, bump, bump. All of a sudden, you'll, you'll hear a, sol- a hollow sound. It might be bonk. And that's okay. how we look for two-by-fours or studs inside a wall. We're looking for something that's not supported where the two-by-four. Likewise, the same for a concrete floor where it's properly supported by the gravel or crushed uh, uh, limestone underneath it. Um, you'll hear a real solid thud. Um, when it's properly supported. And you'll hear this really different sound that sounds very hollow, and you'll know it when you hear it. Um, you know, even in experience, you'll, you'll, you can hear that difference. And that will indicate where there is no support under the concrete. Uh, the problem with that is it's a little bit hard to mess with because getting, uh, for example, a slab leveler, a poly jack, or a old mud jack for, like, raising concrete, the problem is... Um, the, there should be gravel underneath that basement floor. And, you know, you could pump a ton of stuff. And this is where you need to use the poly jacking more than the old, old school mud jack. But you can raise that floor. The problem is that when you're raising that floor with that much building material on it, sometimes it's hard. And I don't know that you're going to find a whole lot of, you know, concrete leveling guys to come down in your basement to do that. Those, if they're experienced. Well, I had with, one come and look at the basement and, and one of his concerns was the plumbing. Yeah, right. Because let's pretend. You're raising that floor and you're messing around with the plumbing. He's right. Amen. There you go. So that's the hmm. issue. So yes, you can and probably no, you shouldn't. Uh, because I want to know if your floor is is dropping that much what changed, what happened, and why. So I want to bear the wound. I want to break that concrete out. I know that's not the answer you're looking for, but if you right. really want to stop it. But but just to get a sense of it, uh, and a pro, uh, and we do this on driveways, we do this on sidewalks, we do this on uh, garage floors. You start running around with a rod of some sort, dropping it from 12 inches up. If you use a steel rod, you'll actually break the concrete surface. So that's why I'm just saying... Uh, use that. Yeah, broomstick. Yeah, broomstick, yeah. and and you'll hear it. And just if if you can't find it, just walk around on the concrete part and train yourself. You'll start hearing them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So it looks like the only thing I can do really is to bust up the basement floor and find out what's going on underneath it. Yeah, because I'd I'd hate to put thousands of dollars in without ever finding out what's wrong. Right. Yeah, because you're not gonna, you're not correcting the problem. You just kind of amen fixing the getting symptom. by. Yeah. There you go. Okay, well, thank you for your help. I was hoping you have some kind of magical answer for me, but it is what it is. I gave you the truthful answer. It's just not the one you wanted. And you're like, well. <laughs> yes, Scott. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> All right, Joanne, take care. Bye now. Yeah, bye bye. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. And again, th- th- this is why I like doing this show. It's just fun. You know, I mean, uh, it, it's easy. There's simple answers. The experience is there. I'm surrounded with a bunch of people at Mosby Building Arts that, you know, it's like, Scott, you know, you gave a pretty good answer, but, you know, you, you could have added this part. So I have a, you know, bunch of advisors that keep me sharp here. And 
you know, it's all for you, you know, courtesy of KMOX. So anyway, I enjoy uh, doing this. I enjoy helping people. And it's my way of kind of paying it forward because, you know, I've made more mistakes than anybody you can shake a stick at. That's how it's like, how did you get on KMOX? It's like, well, I messed up a whole lot of things and I learned from them. Oh, well, is that what you share? It's like, yeah, most of those things, either I or somebody else that I was studying messed up. So it's a failure-based learning model. And my model commitment to you and the KMOX services, maybe I can keep you out of the mud, keep your tires in between the lines, and you don't have to mess it up on your first try. You can go right to the successful application and get her done. 314-436-7900. I'm going to take a short pause and break for now. I'll be right back after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, folks, sneaking up on the 1 o'clock hour, 1 o'clock, your retirement professionals, 2 o'clock following the show, business of family business right here on KMOX. Phone lines are open for you, 314-436-7900, 436-7900. And let's talk with my buddy, uh, Carol. Hey, Carol, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you this fine Saturday? Hi, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. I have a 1950s structure that has an under, like a basement um, garage. Mm -hmm. And from the street level, the street level is higher than the garage entrance. So there's an incline. Yep. I have two single garage doors, and there is a drain in between the two doors. Okay. What? The problem is, is when it rains a lot, I'm getting a leak on one end of the single garage doors, and it's coming into the house, into the garage, and then actually it seems like it's seeking a drain that's in my basement. Mm. So um, I'm concerned why is it not going to the center drain, and I thought, well, maybe it's the flashing or whatever is on the bottom of the garage door, but it's the fact that it's seeking some a different uh, drain, if you will, bothers me. I, I don't know how to fix it or what type of company to ask to look at it. Yeah. Uh, on your drain outside, do, you, do I understand you have a drain out on the driveway outside the garage door as well? Yes. It's in between. There are two single garage doors, and there's a drain in the middle. Okay. And it, we keep it clean, so there's no leaves or debris that's stopping that up. Well, I like the drain on the outside. That is the right thing. Um, ideally, the water never gets into your garage. What the floor drain in your garage should be only for is for the stuff that melts or drips off your cars. Shouldn't be anything there. And typically, drains in garages are pretty unusual because uh, you can't really put them into the sanitary sewer. You can just drain it out into the yard. It's really a, a, a non-sewer drain um, well, the drain is actually farther into the basement. It's near where our washer and dryer oh, is. So it's yeah, actually yeah, yeah. Uh, coming underneath a wall, and it's a non-bearing wall. Yes. Um, but it is, like, coming underneath that and draining by the, the washing machine. Yeah, I forgot your basement uh, garage, so I understand. Right. Um, ooh. Um, back when that house was built... That floor, mm-hmm. even your garage floor, with a wall or not, wall likely added later for fire code yes. reasons. Um, yes. So that concrete would drain toward your floor drain in your basement. So when that house was built, when that basement floor was poured, those concrete finishers sloped that garage uh, toward your basement drain. So your uh, suspicion of it seems like it wants to go to my base. Well, that's true. 
Uh, that's how okay. it's built. So you're trying to overcome um, something. And the reason uh, that's kind of bad practice is, say, you have a leak of gasoline in your car. And this is why that wall was added down in your basement. It's a fire demising wall so that if your car catches on fire, it doesn't really burn down the rest of the house or it slows it down to such an effect that the fire department gets a chance to come turn it out, put it out. But when you get into, so maybe you have a gasoline fire, your car catches on fire, lawnmower catches on, whatever it is, you could have gasoline flowing into that floor drain in the basement. So that's kind of bad mojo. You really need to get this figured out. Um, And that would typically be, I would suspect that were I to come out to your house, I would recommend a trench drain that went all the way across your driveway garage doors. Uh So that we, because any water that falls outside your house should stay outside your house. Right. And, and, and frankly, that I would invest in preventing the problem there before I start tearing up the concrete in my garage and re-sloping and all that stuff. But any water that does get past your garage door will try to go to that floor drain in your basement. That's correct. So what type of company would I, um, have look at this problem or fix this problem uh asphalt driveway would be an asphalt company concrete would be a concrete company um you know it's kind of us uh if you have a driveway part that's fallen apart that's the perfect time because not only do they have to put this trench drain in they've got to hook it up to a pipe and you know your center drain between those doors although the most attractive way to do it 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 is less than effective and they may wind up cutting back uh, what kind of driveway surface do you have it's concrete. Concrete. They may cut back the concrete away from the front of your garage by three feet so they can pour wow. and slope that concrete and put in that trench. You see what I mean? Yeah. You, you know, they've got, so now it's, well, do you want to cut out a three-foot section or do you want to replace, you know, the first two sections 10 feet out from your, so now you have different cover, colored concrete there on and on and on and on. But I, hmm. I, I would okay. first invest in collecting and handling the water that's already outside and keeping it outside rather than trying to mess with it inside. Hey, thanks. All right. Good information. Good I question. appreciate it. Thank you. And, oh. and this big safety thing. So I'm, I'm glad to help you along with this one. Great. Thank you so much. All right, Carol. Bye now. Bye-bye. Uh, next up, we've got a very patient Mary. Hey, Mary, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you? You're on. Mary, you're on Camwex. Hey, Mary, you there? Let's go to Brian and see what's happening here. Uh, hey, hey, Brian, are you there? I couldn't hear Mary. My apologies. Brian, how can I help you, sir? Yeah, Scott, I got one for you. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Welcome, So, I uh, wanted, yeah. Hey, I got, uh, just bought a new house, and the master bathroom and the hall bathroom are, like, right next to each other. Yeah, okay. And if you flush the toilet in the master bathroom, yep. the hall bathroom kind of, like, burps up air out of the toilet. Yep. What do you think's going on? I know exactly what's going on. The building code years ago would allow us, this is in your waste pipe, your da- your drain pipe, probably cast iron pipe down below, uh, a double Y. So what's happening, you flush the toilet on one uh, bathroom, it goes down to a common stack pipe down below, might be in your basement, and the the velocity of that toilet flushing is drawing a vacuum on the other side of the Y. The current building code now requires that we offset those Ys, those uh, uh, 
fixtures by a couple of feet or three feet or something like that so that you don't cause such a back pressure um, negative pressure. It's trying to suck the water out of your second toilet. So it's it's replacing the stack is what fixes that. Or a less strong toilet. So now we get all these zip de toilets that flush, you know, a, a small Chevy down the pipe. Well, <laughs> now, now it's drawing an even more vacuum through that second. So it's kind of the stack or detune your toilets. So... Okay, I was kind of thinking it might have been the vent going through the ceiling. Maybe it was clogged. But, well, it could uh, be that, too, but likely others. Anyway, Scott Mosby, home improvement, have to go. See you, bye. Thanks. Did I do it early? Oh, sorry, I blew it. Oh, I'm 50 seconds early, so, yeah, my producers. So, anyway, uh, on that, um, Brian, what you're going to need to do is is I, it could be your vent, but I doubt it. Uh, uh, it, the vent can be plugged, and this time of year is the proper one because you might have a squirrel, you might have a bird in there and all that. Unlikely, that's about a 20% chance. I suspect the age of your house is that the way that waste pipe was plumbed uh, down below your master and hall, ba- or master and, and hall bath is that you have a double Y. And it doesn't seem like it's all that important, but... You know, you do the Venturi effect. You get enough water with velocity coming down one side. You literally can draw air down the second. That's what you're doing there, I think. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Stay tuned.